If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien with Nicole Braddock-Bromley. In your book, Breathe, Nicole, you said a family's response to the sexual abuse of one of its own is critical for the victim's healing. To him or her, family matters the most. While you may think that a victim's parents and siblings would be the ones most likely to breathe new life into them, sadly, they're often the very ones that suck the life right out of them. This happens not only when a family member is responsible for the abuse, but also when others in the family tell the victim to hush. That's right. And just as damaging as the abuse itself is that unloving response of family members when they hear about it. And I've said many times, this is one of the most common stories I hear. You know, a victim telling a non-offending parent or another trusted family member and being told to hush. And it really does. It breaks my heart every single time I hear it. I know how devastating that response is to those of us who are broken, hurting, vulnerable, and finally finding our courage to tell. It's a letdown for the victim, but it also plants lies in our minds. Things like, I must be bad. It was my fault. No one cares. I'm dirty. Everyone thinks so. I should have kept this a secret. So lies like those confirmed by a family member's initial response can set a victim on a path, you know, to just a desolate life and further brokenness, more wounds to heal and get counseling for. You know, it's just it makes that lifelong journey so much more treacherous. And so I am very grateful that I'm one of the few that had a mom that believed her and did the right thing. My mom reported the abuse. She took my side. She supported me in my healing. She protected me. And I know that my story is unique, but I also think it brings hope to some of you. And so that's why I wanted to bring my mom on the podcast today. So we're actually going to call her right now. Hello. Hi, Mama. Mommy Cindy. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Mom, could you take us back to when we were in the car, you know, when I was 14 and I broke my silence for the first time to you? I'd never told anyone else. And, you know, I basically hinted to you to the fact that something wasn't okay in my relationship with my stepdad. And then you had turned to me and you said, has he ever touched you? And my response gave you the inclination that he had. And could you just kind of take us back to that moment first, just what you felt and sort of the decision-making processes that you were going through at the time? And then, you know, just the fact that you believed me was so powerful. Why did you respond the way you did? Why did you believe me? For one thing, it answered a lot of questions that I already had. Just the feeling that something wasn't right. Something was wrong, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And so it was an answer to my questions. 
even though I had no clue that would be the answer. And so my advice is to trust your instincts that when it feels like there's something wrong, there is. <laughs> so you need to find out and I guess that calls for a family discussion or in our case, a mother-daughter discussion. And that one conversation changed everything. And in that moment, I knew that there was only one right thing to do. And that right thing would be to protect you, my daughter. Yeah. So often, you know, the stories that I hear after I speak is that, you know, a child wasn't believed. They told the person that they hoped would believe them and and protect them and do something to stop the abuse. But oftentimes that person doesn't respond appropriately. And I think that that sets a child up, you know, for a long journey of more healing. You know, the lies that are instilled in a child's mind when they're not believed or when they're told to hush, they have to overcome that too. So what would you say to maybe a listener today that wasn't believed? Maybe they told their mom and their mom didn't respond the way that you did. What would you say to them? Right. I would say absolutely that is just as painful as the abuse itself and it's really like pouring salt into a wound. And so I just want to say that I can be your surrogate mother right now saying that it was not your fault, that you did nothing to deserve that. And don't believe all the lies that your abuser told you and walk forward into your healing path and find that person who will listen, someone that you can trust that will affirm you and who you are and the ability to move forward. And would you have any words today even for maybe someone listening who was that parent or that trusted family member or friend or teacher that didn't believe the first time and maybe they're listening now and regretting that decision would you have any words for them it's never too late to do the right thing and lives change we move forward we go on but you know these things that we've done wrong can often haunt us the rest of our life and definitely for the victim it's going to haunt them for the rest of their life especially if they weren't believed or weren't heard makes it worse as we just talked about and so For that person who maybe was trusted with this information but did nothing with it or did the wrong thing by not believing it, it's not too late to go back and say, I would like to talk about this and I want to tell you that I'm sorry. It's just the process of asking forgiveness and doing the right thing even when it's years down the road. It's still, you know, it's an important thing to do. I think that's really good for one, because so much responsibility is put on the survivor of abuse to then make all these right choices afterwards and they're healing. And so we feel obligated to often go back to our abuser. And, you know, if we decide to go through the forgiveness process or we go to the people who betrayed us and didn't believe us. But I think that's really great if they're is someone listening today that, you know, you didn't make the right decision. You you responded just in a way that you regret now. And, you know, you're, you just wrestle with this and, you know, you're up at night thinking about how I wish I would have done the right thing. And I wish that person would come to me and, and bring it up. Well, why don't you bring it up? Why don't you be the person that can take a load off that survivor's healing journey and, and say, you be the one that initiates that conversation. I think that's really powerful thing to do. Um, and I think that's really good advice, mom. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Another thing I wanted to hear from you on is two more things, actually. First thing is, in Breathe, you wrote a letter to a parent at the end of the Family Matters chapter. You said that, you know, sexual abuse was the worst thing you could have ever imagined happening to your daughter, to you, to your family. And yet it had happened. And at the same time, you had no problem believing it. And you said, people often ask me, why did you believe her? You said, my answer is simple. I had no reason not to. Mm. I thought that was really powerful. You went on to say, why would Nicole lie about something so shameful, so degrading, so embarrassing? You said, I'm sure there was a part of me that didn't want to believe it and that wished it would all go away, but I never doubted that Nicole had told me the truth. I think that's a really, I mean, for me, it was very powerful to even read those words and to know, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that my mom believed me and so many survivors don't have that. And so I feel very blessed and very grateful. And I think it made a major impact on my healing journey. But I guess I wanted to just hear more from you, mostly for those who are listening today, you know. Why did you believe me? And what gave you the courage to support me rather than, you know, your husband at the time? Um, I think part of it is being a praying mom. And so I had been praying, just um, knowing, sensing there's something not right in my home. And so that definitely, you know, the God connection was part of that. But beyond that, I could easily have fallen into the vulnerable battered wife, because I was emotionally battered. I was sexually abused by my husband, but I didn't really realize that's what it was at the time. So I think so many moms are in that state of just so vulnerable that they can't leave the husband. They think that their life will end if they don't have that support and all of those things. However, for me, it was just the idea of this is my daughter. Nobody is going to hurt, hurt my daughter, <laughs> even if it's my own husband. Mm-hmm. And, and you were willing that, to sacrifice like, everything to stand beside me. I mean, to do the right thing. I think sometimes people want to deny the right <laughs> thing. They might even know that it's the right thing to do, absolutely. but they're so afraid of sacrificing, giving up their life, their home, like everything, the family, because people take sides you know, but you didn't really, you may have thought about that. I don't know, but you were willing to set all that aside. I think when reality sunk in, I realized I was, it was my daughter on this side. The other side was my marriage, my home, my husband, my income, my future, that I was going to stand for the thing that I believed in most and that I knew was the right thing to do. It was the only right action in my mind was the only right thing to do is to believe my daughter and get her to safety because she didn't deserve what happened to her. In some ways, I felt that partially I was a failure and that not realizing it sooner. However, I was just as blinded, I think, as you were, to thinking there's nothing wrong and, you know, you take off the veil and suddenly there's all of these things are wrong. Yeah, right. Sometimes you look back and then you realize the person who was abusing your child was actually abusing you too. Yeah. So many times that um, there's so much manipulation going on in all the relationships of someone who's abusing a child. Yes. I think also that, well, in, in my case, I didn't realize until 
after um, researching and learning more about sexual abuse because of your sexual abuse. It caused me to realize that I had been sexually abused as a child. So often, one who has been sexually abused will marry an abuser, and in my case, that's exactly what happened. And so for unknown reasons, or for that reason, many women choose to stay because it's just another abuser, and then when the child brings up their abuse, the mother has to look at her own abuse, the abuse of her past, and she doesn't want to go there, and obviously is probably not had any healing in that area, so it just brings up a whole lot of things she doesn't want to look at. Right. It's kind of like this generational thing that keeps going on and on until someone finally speaks up and says no more. Right. And that's what you did for me, and um, you know, our prayer is that it would end at my generation. Absolutely. And I think it's very likely that someone listening today as a survivor of child sexual abuse, you know, sadly may have to come face to face with the same situation you did, that their child may be abused and may Mm -hmm. come to them with their story and they're going to have to make the right decision, you know, and hopefully our words today would give them the confidence to do the right thing like you did. I mean, Your decision left you as a single mom, a widow, you know, your Mm -hmm. husband, my stepdad took his own life a week after I told you and you were left single income as a mom. You went back to college. I mean, it was an immediate shattered life for us. Everything Mm -hmm. changed. But I, I would guess that if you went back and had to do it all over again, you would probably do the same thing, right? Absolutely. No question. But I do remember. I remember the visual I had that I was sitting in the midst of just broken glass all around me. And that was my life, just totally shattered and just picking up piece at a time and thinking, how am I ever going to put this back together? <laughs> but God did the work. I didn't have to. I just depended on Him. And He made it all into something very beautiful for both of us. So... Can you talk a little bit about how a parent can support their child, whether it's a young child or an adult survivor, in healing and recovery? I know there's been points in my healing where you've had to really step back and give me the freedom to have other supportive people in my life, you know, outside (laughs) of you. So could you just talk a little bit about that? The first step is believing, but then sometimes it's about putting them in the hands of God and and letting go in some ways, too. Yes, I remember just worrying about you. I went to camp, you went to different places, and I wasn't going to be there with you. And I was praying, praying, praying for God's protection, and suddenly God just confronted me with the question, do you trust me with your daughter? And there was only one right answer again, which was yes. I had to say yes. And so it's really taking all those worries, prayers of worry, and turning them into prayers of just trust and surrender. And it's hard to do, but it really, when I surrendered you to God that day, it changed everything, um, just being able to be more free and letting go and letting God do His work. And even when you left for college, there's just so much freedom in that, not being like most parents just crying and missing their children, even though I miss you, it wasn't like that controlling feeling of losing control. So I think that's 
part of it. And then anything I think is mother don't smother. So as a mother, we just want to try to fix everything and yeah, and we can't. We can't fix it. And then it becomes like we're smothering the child because we want so much for them to move forward and just not have this plaguing them all the time or watch every emotion, every expression. and But we just have to let go and allow them the space to heal because it's really, we have to realize that this type of injury is going to take years and years and years, really a lifetime to heal from. So it's just in stages. And uh, part of those stages are letting them find other people, other adults or people that they trust that they can share things with that might be so much easier than sharing with a parent or someone in the family. Mm -hmm. And that's simply because as a parent, as a mom especially, you're so emotionally attached to what happened that Mm -hmm. your emotions get in the way and someone outside the family is not so emotionally attached and can give more candid advice and just be more supportive in just a a way that's not with the emotional entanglement. That's really good. One more thing I had, and then Mary has something too. So many times I hear survivors say that they don't want to talk to their parent, even if the parent is like you, believing, supporting, loving, listening, you know, non-judgmental, all that. If they have all those characteristics, you know, and, and we're saying move forward, you know, talk to your mom about what you've been through or your current struggle and your healing. And so many times I hear them say that they don't want to do that because of the response of the parent being guilt. They feel guilty that they didn't stop the abuse or that they didn't know about it for years and years and years. And then it ends up turning it's not about the survivor anymore. Now it's about the parent. And then the survivor is now in the caretaking role of the parent and trying to protect mm-hmm. them from these feelings of guilt. And I just, I hate that so much because, you know, again, the healing is for the survivor. It's not for all the other people. They can deal with their own stuff. So what what would you advise to that survivor, to the child um, in navigating that? Is there something that you think like I could have said? Because I know you struggled with guilt especially right away, right? I mean, I remember you went to counseling for a while and, and kind of talked through that stuff that you were you were dealing with, right? Yeah, to some extent I did, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So would you, would you maybe recommend that to a parent to maybe seek out their own support and maybe go to counseling for the secondary wounds? You're a secondary survivor when your right. child's been abused. Correct, and I think that counseling is a good idea. I think that you're going to find out there's a lot more under the underlying pain and mm. other things there in your own life that probably are, are behind the guilt. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's just going back. Also, I just spent a lot of time, I think I had about a six-month quiet retreat in my home. Because, <laughs> mm. um, you know, it happened just before school started, so you were going back to school, and uh, I had a home business, so... I was home working through all my issues, and I just asked why, 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 why to God yeah. in the nth degree, and right. just wrote and wrote and wrote and searched back through my, even through my childhood. And so that is just, you know, the process of anyone who goes through a hardship is just going back and finding the core of it. But 
for the survivor going to a parent that's guilty. So you're wanting me to talk to the survivor? Yeah, so what would you, yeah, so for the parent, you're saying, you know, seek counsel, you know, have your own safe place apart from your, your child who's been abused mm-hmm. to talk through. They don't, they don't really need to talk through all that with you. You need to have your own circle of inspiration. But then what would you say to the survivor who says, you know, I, I want to talk to my mom or my dad or my aunt or my uncle or you know, whoever it is that's their safe person. Um, but it oftentimes turns to them feeling guilty and I don't want to make them feel bad. So how would you advise the the child or the adult survivor to push forward in that, you know, talking to that safe person? And maybe is there something that I could have said to you to get the focus back on the real issue? Yes, I think it's just being honest and saying, you know, I want to talk to you, but I want you to know that it's not your fault either. Just like it's not my fault that this happened. You're not the, my abuser. Mm-hmm. The abuser is my abuser. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want you to feel guilty about it. I just would like to be able to talk to you about it without you feeling bad or you feeling guilty. Can we do that? But I think everything is just really about communicating what you're thinking and feeling and not thinking you're trying to protect the other person or mm-hmm. from hearing this or, you know, just being honest and open. I think that's really good. And Cindy, part of your letter here, I love what you wrote at the end. And and just as you were talking about as a parent, you always want to fix things. But such good advice here um, that you wrote. The most important thing you have to give her is your two ears, your heart, and your time. Listen and hurt along with her. Never stop believing her and never stop praying for her. Mm. That's huge as a mom to just show up and do that and not want to fix the situation. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You do want to fix it, but the truth is we can't fix it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you might as well give up trying and just let God do that. And he's the great fixer. He's the great physician. And, you know, he does the heart surgery. So yeah, we don't have to take that on ourselves. When it's just really showing up and not necessarily having the answers to try to fix it, but it's just being present mm-hmm. and there in the moment and it sounds like that's been really crucial in your relationship with Nicole. Yes, even to this day. <laughs> I have to know when to just shut up and listen. So I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one question that I was telling Mary. I always get at colleges and stuff. And I wanted to ask you just because it's a common thing people want to know. So like, is life better? Has God done a work in you? Are you happy? Those kinds of things. You know, what's life like for you now, Mom? I just keep thanking God for the beautiful life He's given me. Mm. To be honest, it's just amazing. And a lot of that is just being healed from even my childhood and being conscientious of those thoughts and attitudes that I inherited from family, my mother, whatever, that are not so holy. And making a huge effort to just be uh, more Christ-like in everything I do. But it really has to do with following God and His call on my life. And that has brought me so much joy and peace and passion. And also just watching you do the same. So in some way, you know, I hope that I have set an example for you, but you've always 
set an example for me as well. So, yes, it's wonderful. And keep working on your own healing because that's so important too. Right. And like I always say, it's lifelong. So it is for me, but it also is for you. But in the midst of it, life can still be beautiful, even though there's hard pieces to it. Yes. That's great. Well, I'm so glad to hear that, Mom. And I'm so glad you're my mom. (laughs) And I'm thankful for you. (laughs) All right, Mom. Thank you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Next podcast, Nicole and I give you a window seat into our latest coffee house chat. We'll be talking about things like taking time to pause and feel and not blow past your emotions all the time when they come up and the importance of loving the little you inside. You both may have cried a little, but that's a good thing. And since it's so true that healing is lifelong, it's good to have safe, protective and trusted friends to cry and process with along this journey. We're so glad you're here. We hope you'll subscribe, write a review if you heard something you like, even invite friends and family to listen so more survivors can hear about healing. Check us out on Facebook or log on to IamOneVoice.org.